Now you can find, listen and subscribe to Chilling with Jens and the local Danfoss Climate Solution podcast in your RevTools app. Download it from danfoss.com. Service and support. Downloads. Hi, I'm Jens Andersen from Danfoss Climate Solution, and you are listening to a slightly more relaxed version of the Cool Talk podcast. This time, a rather laid-back conversation about the practical experiences you learn from when being out there in the polarizing refrigeration world of today. So, welcome to this podcast with the title Tips, Tricks and Best Practices or how to stay healthy and alive in a cooling business while keeping relatively sane. Or tricks to not losing your fingertips. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. So, um, quick introduction. Um, with me today, I have the usual suspects. That's John, Jörg, and Jamie, and you've met them all before. So uh, we won't get into too much talk about who they are and why they are here, et cetera, et cetera. You know them by now. So the opening question to you guys today is, when did you actually first get aware of the seriousness of the business that you have volunteered into? And Oof. did that hurt? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, didn't really hurt me. I... I have to go way back to the mid 80s in uh, refrigeration school. We were, oh man, we were working on a Hussman parallel rack system that we had in our lab at the school, a couple 15 horsepower semi-hermetics and blah, blah, blah. And the condensing unit was outside. And, and part of the lab requirement was going out and measuring the airflow and the refrigerant in and out temperatures. And on in this inside the, the classroom, there was a pressure gauge we could use on the liquid line to get pressure. Well, I was with my fr a friend of mine, and uh, we were outside doing lab as, as, as partners. And he said, you know something, I'm going to measure the liquid here because, you know, I want to see how much pressure drops in this liquid line. I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, it seems like a lot of extra work. But anyways, he went to put the you know hose on from the set of gauges we had and i guess <laughs> the the idea is you before you depress the schrader core you basically shove it on there as fast as possible and then make a seal with your hand and then thread the the, the nut on and he didn't do that he just put the, the the connection on there started to thread it on as soon as the schrader became depressed the liquid shot up through the the hose connection and burn the crap out of the middle two um, webbing between his fingers. And uh, of course he had to go off to the hospital and get that treated because he had a fairly serious burn between there. And the whole time I'm standing there going, yeah, that was a really stupid idea. So I guess at that point, it was enough of a startle to let me know that, yeah, you, you, there's, a, there's a certain reason why we're doing things here. And, you know, it's best to kind of, you know, follow the rules in this case. So, eh, lesson learned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jens, you asked about the business part of it. 
I have to admit it was even far, far earlier and it hurt when I realized that some things are not really a good idea and some things are not terribly obvious. Because what's pretty obvious, if you play around with whatever hot metal, you can quite often see, still see that it's hot when mm -hmm. it's glowing. Below a certain temperature, you don't see that anymore. And you can burn your fingers. That was one thing. Um, the other one was that a copper wire does not tell you before you before you touch it whether there are these smally, bitey electrons in that copper <laughs> sitting there waiting for you or not. And that's an experience I had. No, I was pretty yeah. young. I remember that. And um, getting yeah. shocked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still remember <laughs> that feeling. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yes. that's getting getting shocked the first time is never a fun thing. And believe it or not, uh, it's it's yeah. I uh, I found out that the electrical elements in a furnace that that what was wired in was actually disconnected on the on the load side, not the line side, and uh, which means that even though there was no current flowing through it, there was still that voltage potential there. And of course, we, you know, I went to grab this thing to to pull it out, and and you know, stupid me, dumb, 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 dumb mistake you know, got electrocuted, right? Luckily, I was on a dry concrete floor, and uh, it. Uh, the worst thing was when I brought my arm back, my elbow hit a piece of sheet metal on, on the side and was sharp, and it went right inside my elbow, and uh, that hurt more than the damn electrical shock did. But uh, anyways, yeah, yeah, definitely electricity. Not fun. No. Mm, yeah. Um, Jens, I think in, in answer to yours, I was probably... Uh, well, I was an apprentice, probably 16 years of age, very green behind the ears. Uh, I was working in a frozen food shop with the engineer, and he asked me to basically put all the trims back on a open style display case. Um, and silly me, uh, didn't think about the length of the screw and the location <laughs> of the evaporator behind uh, the plate. Um, so consequently, <laughs> punctured the evaporator, um, had one very cross engineer um, and one very cross shop owner. So that was yeah, at the yeah, tender yeah. age of 16. And ever since then, I always check whenever I put a screw back on a, uh, you know, a plate or a bolt that it's not going to hurt anything the other side. Include your hand. If it's a cabinet yes. or, yeah. You asked yeah. all of us. Come on, you had some experience as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I did. Uh, it's a slightly different business and, and yet still uh, relevant to refrigeration or the refrigeration branch, I guess. I was um, working with uh, frequency converters or drives, as we call it. And uh, I was doing uh, some checking on uh, this frequency converter. And um, suddenly the, the, the screwdriver I had in my hand uh, slipped and uh, fell into the, 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 the frequency converter and it hit the um, con uh, condensators with a result that the, um, what was left of the screwdriver was essentially just the, the handle. The, the metal in the screwdriver had wow. hit the, yeah, and it, it, it simply exploded 
and and uh, yeah, evaporated. I could find the rest of the, the the metal from the screwdriver inside the the frequency converter, you know, as tiny little drops afterwards. Oh, so that was when I thought, well, yeah, maybe it deserves some respect. This yeah, there's a lot thing. of current there. Yeah, mm. yeah, those bitey electrons, as you said, Jörg. Yeah, yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> Hungry ones, even. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Hungry ones. Yeah. yeah, they're always looking for a way out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're lucky, I guess, in that sense that you, you, you know, you, uh, you, you have these situations and you learn from them. And I guess in hindsight, you know, at the, my old man used to say it was a miracle we ever lived to be thirty. Some days, you know, when you think about all the things you did. But um, I guess as long as you can learn from it and walk away, and you know, as I say, respect it rather than fear it. You know, that that that's a, that's a big part of it because, you know, fear is kind of like lack of sleep it can cloud your judgment whereas if you respect something you'll more likely follow the rules and and do things properly in a certain way and uh you know live to go to work the next day kind of thing yeah exactly but agree and how how was that for you i can only say how it was for me and um, as you say the respect grows quite a bit and from that first experience, you are all of a sudden far more open to hearing about how to do things right and which mm -hmm. tools to use and why some things should not be done in the way um, as you might want to do them because it is faster and, and more easy. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Well, I know with me when when the time came that I did actually have to put gauges on liquid lines and things like that, um, it, there was a bit of fear the first time, you know, because I was a kid, right? You know, just like John and everybody else, right? You know, when we first started in this trade and, you know, I remember what happened to my friend. And again, the trick is that you have to make a seal with the rubber, you know, O-ring in the hose connection back in that day before you actually try and thread the the the, the nut on right to, to seal it and you know my the, the guy that ran the lab said well come over here man here's a here's a schrader connection that is is empty right now there's nothing in this pipe you know just practice a couple times putting it on and it sounds silly but once i did it and i knew i could get it on there quick and there was no problem you know hey there you go and uh you know he, he, once once i learned that the first time i did it and it worked there was no problem after that right but mm. you still had to get back on the horse kind of thing right you know and, and actually do it because it's one of the things as a technician it, it's got to be done you know there's no a lot of times there's no pre-installed gauges or you know there's no uh, current meters or voltage meters a lot of times built into the equipment or most of the time and you're the guy that has to go in there and, and measure these values and do it right not just for safety but so you get the right answer too as well right to what you're looking for hmm. yeah. yeah i mean for, for, for me it, it it also meant that uh apart from the respect you also sort of think every each time you go into something electricals you need to know what you're doing of course you do but you also need to think of of all the the other tiny little things like wearing the right shoes mm -hmm. don't stand yes. on a metal letter for instance um things like that right yeah and 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 you need to think of those things yeah it's, and it's, 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 it's kind of funny it's right sorry yeah 
now it it has nothing to do with fear. I think it's more, yeah, like I said before, the respect, right? Mm-hmm. You learn mm-hmm. to live with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make sure you're doing things the right way. I think coming back to that respect bit, Jens, one thing that I learned again at a very early age was if you're working on a piece of equipment, make sure it's locked off. Um, you know, not just with a sign or a piece of tape over the handle, <laughs> but but try and actually lock it off with a padlock so that, you know, and you carry the key so you know that nobody can turn that isolator on. Not always the easiest thing in the world to do, but then at least you feel a little bit, uh, you know, safer in what you're doing. Oh, man, I, that reminds me of, a, of another story. I remember uh, when we were learning the VAV systems, variable air volume systems back in the day in the, in the late 90s, we had a ceiling set out in that. And one of the guys that we brought in to teach the class was talking about something that just had recently happened. And they were uh, working on a unit and uh, it had a uh, reverse airfoil fan in it. Reverse airfoil fans, centrifugal fans, blowers, are known for being able to produce a lot of static pressure. Well, I guess what happened was on the return side, all the air inlets had been closed. And when they spooled up this blower, it literally collapsed all the ductwork into itself, just crumpled it on the return side. So can you imagine being in a large rooftop unit or something like that and having that fan, something like that, start up in a unit when you're sitting there and beside it? Um, you know, the, the, the negative pressure that it can produce on the inlet side is, is, is off the scale. And, you know, you'd hate to be standing beside this thing if you didn't lock it out and suddenly a 50 horsepower motor decided to start because somebody walked by a breaker or something and saw that this thing's always on and this times it's off. So guess what? He's going to turn it on or something, right? You know, there's, there's too much of a risk there to, to, to let that go because, you know, you don't have eyes everywhere, so it's better just to make sure this ain't going to happen. Mm. Yeah. Oh, very true. There's a, there's a famous phrase that I was taught when I was younger, and they basically used to say, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of, now I would say, uh, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you wiser. Um, yeah. yeah. Because yeah, you exactly. think about what you're doing and all the risks that you actually take. Um yeah, yeah, you can turn that sentence around. If you're yeah. wise enough, it won't <laughs> kill you, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's like true. one of those shirts you see, don't mess with old guys, right? Because you didn't get old by being stupid, right? So, I mean, you know. It's... <laughs> yeah. Probably. There's some truth in that. But, you know, when you think about all the things that technicians have to do, you know, and all the things that can happen that you don't even think about it, and, and many times it's a miserable job. And I, I, th- I hate to say it, but part of that miserableness can work both ways. It can make you safer because it makes you aware of things that are going on. But if it's miserable, it can also maybe make you take shortcuts or things trying to, to, to work faster. Another side of that is when you're tired. One of the things I learned is that uh, sleep is probably you know, rare as a technician some days, but it's also your best friend because there's nothing worse than being tired or having a foggy brain and you're trying to work on equipment, you know, especially something that requires, you know, creative thinking to try and solve because that's that's when you can completely miss stuff, you know, 
take an inadvertent action that turns out to be not such a great idea and possibly dangerous. You know, a lot of times when I had close calls, it was exactly that. I was daydreaming or tired or something like that. And you did it almost subconsciously. Mm. But come on, afterwards, yeah. when something happens, you are almost really completely awake, right? Oh, yeah, yeah wake you up all right, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then you yeah. then you get mad at yourself for doing it, right? Like, how dumb could I yeah. be for doing that, right? You know, yeah, oh, exactly. oh, yeah, Just, oh, you're exactly. so mad at yourself. Yeah. But coming back to, to say, the, the cooling business, uh, John, uh, you and me, we've, we've had a few conversations about how bad things can look or how bad things can can get mm. when you or how bad things uh, looks when when you get out there and and and, and uh, on a service job or something like that what are your experiences what have you seen out there that uh, makes you <laughs> think it should be good <laughs> <laughs> um okay yeah, uh, I you guess, know what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah I do, I do. Um, yeah, I, I travel quite a lot and spend uh, a lot of time on site. I used to before COVID, let's say that. Um, yeah. And it's getting back to normal a, a little bit now. But the first thing that I do whenever I go anywhere is I look at the installation. And I use a phrase, thrown in from across the road. Um, and if it's thrown in from across the road, it looks bad. And that immediately puts me on the sort of, uh, defensive, I guess, is the wrong word, but you know what I'm saying. Um, because then you think, okay, if they took no no pride in the installation, then maybe there's no pride in the commissioning and the vacuuming procedure and the charging procedure and the setting up procedure. So is it literally thrown in, press the button and it works? Um, I think that's the sort of the initial thing. And one of my pet hates, and again, when I was an apprentice, if you ever did this, um, we used to call it the string of sausages or words to that effect. So if you have your nice pipes with your nice in insulation on and then the uh, electrical engineer or Sparky for slang would come along and, you know, fit his cables or his armored cables or whatever, and he'd tie wrap them to the insulation. Mm. And if ever you pulled your tie wraps tight, so you had what looked like a string of sausages on the insulation, you would um, be severely reprimanded um in the best way forward mm -hmm. um so that that that's one of my my pet hates the other one as i always discuss is airflow airflow and airflow whether it's evaporator whether it's condenser uh, that drives me absolutely crazy um and i take great pride in walking around looking at installations uh, as we all do when we're on holiday or whatever um, mm -hmm. uh, taking taking pictures of things it's like that's crazy uh, yeah there's, there's there's quite a famous AC unit close to Leeds in the UK and they've actually fitted it backwards um, so the condenser is facing outwards uh, and the uh, let's say uh, air off the condenser is blowing against the wall um, it, it's a sort of classic that we all know and love in the UK it's, uh, it's a very efficient inefficient heat pump. very very yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so so generally warm. warm come on that's, yeah that's the idea. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it helps so, dry out the air. Yeah, but I mean, if it looks like it's thrown in across the, from the road, and that's probably the best saying I think I've ever heard, you know, you got to assume that 
yeah, maybe all electrical wiring isn't exactly the way it's supposed to be. And, you know, may, mm. maybe they just brought power in from somewhere else because it was handy, you know, which means that something, you know, that you may think is unpowered or assume is unpowered turns out not to be. And I think crankcase heaters is probably one of the things that we first run into that when you assume everything in the unit is off, there's a good chance if there's a crankcase heater in there, it's going to be on. And, you know, if you're lucky, you'll just, you know, burn your wrist a bit with it or something if you touch it, right? But if it turns out that it's 460 or 575 volts or whatever it happens to be, yeah, it, it can get a bit ugly too, right? So um, I've seen some situations where the wiring, let's just say, wasn't exactly the code in a lot of places. And you probably spent way too much time trying to figure out how creative this person got in doing the wiring and something, right? You know? Mm and uh half the time you end up just pulling a lot of it out just because you can't figure out the spaghetti that's going on in there but anyways yeah i like that, I like that sentence that you said john when somebody seems to yeah not take pride in in what they do i mean you put your name on it right mm -hmm. when you build mm -hmm. the system it's connected mm -hmm. to you why don't you want to do a good job that's yeah. that's what's sometimes surprising when you see some stuff you see quite i mean we have to say at least from my perspective you see quite a lot of good installations out mm -hmm. there really mm -hmm. good craftsman's work perfect yes. all fine 100 percent agree yep then then there are those few where you think seriously i mean do you really mean this mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. what is this all about yeah. and and that's that's surprising that somebody is not taking pride in in what they do mm, yeah no and i think as you both said and you know there is a lot of fantastic installations out there i think one of the biggest challenges in our industry is let's say non-industry professionals um trying to be a refrigeration engineer when they're clearly not trained to be so um, yeah, Al's Midnight Landscaping and AC Services or something, right? You yeah, know? yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that that's one of the biggest issues. I think the other issue um, that I come across a lot, I'll say, why have we put the the unit there? Uh, and the, the general answer is, well, we can't put it anywhere else. We're not allowed to put it on an exterior wall. Um, you know, it has to go inside the building. It has to go on top of the cold room, things like that. So sometimes there are a lot of constraints that we're not aware of mm -hmm. um i remember one particular installation in a part of the uk which i won't mention but the contractor said to me if i put the units outside they won't be there tomorrow um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you're basically just preparing them to ship somewhere else right that's exactly, like a warehouse exactly. right He's, we're getting ready to the, ship this out tomorrow you know the the price oh, of wow. copper in the uk is very expensive so uh you know anything that contains metal in uh, you know will disappear so we said we've we've had to put them inside and these were pretty sizable condensed units on the roof of a cold room uh, wow yeah so well, in in some locations you don't worry about the the, the two-legged uh, uh critters you worry about other four and eight-legged critters i i was down in a in a atlanta and uh, we were out at a, i think it was one of those telephone cellular sites and we had a bunch of scroll compressors in there and the first thing the the tech does is he pulls out this big honking shop back 
and he starts vacuuming up all the, you know, detritus and leaves and everything else around the unit on the outside. And I'm like, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, shouldn't we be doing that after we're done? You know, from a cosmetic standpoint, he goes, I don't care what it looks like. And then he friggin' rolls up his pant leg and he's got a big chunk missing out of his leg. And it turns out he got bit by one of those brown recluse spiders or whatever that, you know, live down there. And, you know, they'll just tear you up, right, if you get bit. So, you know, it's like forget the electrical and refrigerant, right? There's stuff down there that wants to kill you, right? You know, so, you know, he he cleaned that area up and made sure there was nothing around there that was going to attack him when he went in there. (laughs) You know, up here, we just worry about, you know, bees and wasps. You know, we hate those things, right? You know. But geez, man, let me just say, I stood behind him most of the time we were down there. <laughs> I was fucking down around my feet. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's very true. Oh, very man. True. Yeah. I think the only thing we have to worry about is our four-legged uh, ratty friends getting caught in the condenser fan blades. Oh, yeah, um, squirrels, rats, snakes. I yeah, see snakes no. coiled around contactors in the cold yeah. climates, man, trying to get in yeah. there. And it's like, ugh. Yeah. That's what that yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. I I have a question for you, uh, all three of you, actually. Um, Not so much on the refrigeration side of things, but in the day-to-day activity that, uh, you know, we do, uh, you know, driving, walking, uh, carrying equipment, whatever. Um, What sort of lessons have you learned from, from things like that? Oh, man. Well, I think the first one is Newton's law that when something's moving, it's going to keep moving until it hits something like the back of your head. Right. You know, so, you know, I remember I was driving and and, uh, I just had a pickup truck with a bunch of stuff in the pickup truck. And uh, it was a bunch of, uh, you know, through the wall units, you know, that you see like P-Tax and stuff like that. You see them in hotels and condominiums Mm -hmm. and things like that. Well, I was going along doing about 70 kilometers an hour. And this guy with a flatbed truck and a great big welder pulls right out in front of me, like right out. Like I had to hit the brakes hard. And then suddenly there was that dead silence before you know what's going to happen next. Right. <laughs> and about 400 kilos worth of AC, you know, these old AC units were taken back to trash. Luckily suddenly slams into the front of the box of the truck. Right. And it was just like, Oh, just for that second, I was just waiting for the impact. And it's like, okay, stupid thing, right? Next time, strap everything down. Make sure that it's not going to slide. That was probably 30-odd years ago now. But still, you know, I still remember this day. Yeah, and walking, um, similar experiences with with cars and with trucks, whatever. Walking, it was something... I have to admit, I fell. I kind of fell down a, a staircase in into a basement, but not the stairs themselves. It was an open area, so you could go oh, from no. could go in from one side down the stairs, and the other one was just an open hole. <laughs> I, I carried something out of of an area backwards just to to turn a bit backwards to to be able to carry that somehow around a corner and um well i did one step backwards but there was only air there was there was no concrete anymore <laughs> below my foot yeah, you don't have your so I, gravity I just fell down yeah. that that oh, thing man. and don't know how i did it i was fast enough to 
let go whatever I was carrying and could spread my arms. So I did not completely fell down. I just hit um, hit the side walls of, of the stair with my arms. So I was hanging there in the air <laughs> with the arms. Of course, they went from from red to blue to green to in between they were yellow for the next four weeks but all your your shoulders were torn up yeah that was the thing like damn if you walk backwards just have a look before you walk what's behind you or if there is anything at all behind you or or whether there's just nothingness yeah i guess uh, there's a reason why rules exists right yeah i mean there are, or at least most of the places, there are rules on how you should do things, how you should, well, even to a certain degree, also behave, uh, at least uh, when you have tools in your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I get the impression, John, you asked for a reason. <laughs> well, especially with vehicles, right? You know, and you got, you know, high pressure gases stored in there. That's always something to be aware of. I remember seeing some pictures of back in the day of service vans that used to have relatively straight vertical walls that now look like a a, a hot dog bun. You know what I mean? On its side because the walls are blown out, all the glass is blown out, and it turns out that, you know, a 25-kilo jug of, you know, R502 back in the day let go in there in the sun and uh, you know rapidly built the pressure up inside the van to the point where it just practically was an explosion and blew everything out you know and uh, that's what happens when you you know leave stuff in a hot hot van and you know parking lot in southern u.s or something like that where it gets you know 40 odd degrees celsius outside and 55 60 degrees celsius inside the the van probably Yeah, that, that's a good comment, actually, uh, Jamie. And Jörg, I'll come back to your comment in a second. Again, going back to when I was, uh, you know, young apprentice, we used to charge our our dumpy uh, bottles, uh, cylinders from a large one. And mm-hmm. The easiest way was you'd put the dumpies in a chest freezer, get them yeah. nice and cold, pull them out, and then obviously your refrigerant would flow from your large six 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 kilogram. Uh, bottle into your dumpy and we were sort of taught yeah just wiggle it and is that about right yeah that's fine so there were there was no safety as to say is that overcharged is that you know above 80 percent yeah yeah exactly um and you sort of gave it a wiggle and yeah you can still hear the refrigerant slopping about it's fine and you'd stick it in the van and i'm still amazed to this day that nobody as you say you know had a uh uh a bottle go bang in the back of the van in in turn into a rocket yeah yeah i mean you know we must have been uh the wiggle test must have been actually pretty accurate uh <laughs> to make sure that they're only about 80 percent full yeah um, really yeah you know but yeah you, you do sort of think of the things that uh again going back in in history the things that we did and you survived nobody actually uh you know came to a a, a yeah, sticky end, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're, that's, you're, why, that's why we can say nowadays, just don't do this. <laughs> do it yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, cause and effect, exactly. exactly. Yeah. You learn it from a young age, I guess, and maybe you forget it after a while and then relearn it again. I don't know, but um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. 
because I can think of so many situations now, just we've got talking about this, it brought back all these memories. Yeah, yeah, I think I forget uh, you, I think you, uh, well, I think you forget them, Jörg, but it's a bit like Jens said when he dropped his screwdriver inside the drive. That sticks in your brain for the rest of your days. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's what I want to keep. I just want to forget why that sticks in my <laughs> brain. <laughs> yeah. What did I do that caused that, right? Mm, yeah, well, you yeah. know, and you touch on a point with rules. And as soon as you hear rules, it's like a lot of people think, okay, I'm restricted in what I can do. It makes my job harder. It takes longer. But, and I used to, you know, think a bit of that as well, because, you know, it almost thinks, well, you know, I'm going to be an automaton if I have to do this step by step by step all the time. But what it does is it helps overcome those situations where you're a little bit tired, you're confused, you're under pressure, you're trying to rush from job to job, right? You're, you're, you're frustrated because, you know, whoever, you know, wrote the instructions for this thing or the wiring diagram or whatever, it doesn't match what you're looking at. But, you know, we we're, we're taught to, to, you know, troubleshoot things in a specific way. And part of that is from a safe standpoint, right? Make sure the power's off. Verify the power is off in this section here, right? After you make sure the main power is off. So you've got a double protection there. It really only takes a couple of seconds, you know, lockout, tag out procedures. And so I think as, you know, maybe, a, you know, as I get older now, you know, if I'm working on equipment like that, which is pretty rare nowadays, to be honest, it really it doesn't seem like a chore to me anymore. You just do it as part of the way your brain functions. I am, it's like opening a door to walk into a room. That's how you first enter into a situation, right? So me checking power, verifying voltage, things like that, that is just all part of what I do now. You know, when I look at something or when I'm trying to troubleshoot something. So it really just sets the stage for what I'm going to do next. And to be honest with you, you know, it helps me from missing something. It's like, what you know, we always recommend a service report now where, you know, you have a checklist of things that you should be doing when you get to a job site, you know. And, and John, the number one thing you hit the nail on the head 100% is look around, right? You know, the first thing they teach you in first aid is, you know, don't open the door and run out in front of a truck because you see an accident, right? Uh, now we'll have two people that need help rather than one. So, you know, you can tell by looking at something, you know, what the score is. Is there a giant hedge around the condensing unit? You know, does the coil look like it has, you know, a sweater around it because there's so much stuff, you know, you're visually things like that can make a huge difference in just preparing your mind to actually take the next step. And I think in itself, that's a huge safety thing because you've already put yourself in tune with with what's going on rather than just imagining all these things that could be wrong with it. Mm, no, that's 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 true. And again, that takes me back to my younger years. Um, served my time with a, a couple of uh, pretty good engineers and one of them always taught me to never get your tools out the van mm-hmm. and do anything before you've told me what's wrong with the system mm-hmm. and that i think i've sort of tried to carry forward on on everything whether it's trying to diagnose a problem um the 
you know health and safety side of the site and all of that is to actually think about what you're doing think what you're working on and then make a decision rather than you know fools rush in so to speak mm -hmm. and uh, and do something that you shouldn't be doing um yeah yeah it, situational awareness you just get an idea of what's going on and again exactly what you just said if the system was running okay what would i see Right. If I didn't have to be here right now and I just walked up to it and it was working fine, what would I see? And then compare that with what you see now. Right. And those two differences really make a big difference. Okay. If the unit's not running, okay, that's fine. But on top of that, is there anything I can see that that gives that away? You know, is there a huge puddle of water around the compressor that was that was caused by ice on it, completely covered in ice, and it's an AC unit that melted? You know, things like that that really can help set the day. Um, I think one of the things that kind of made me think of being aware of things I really can't see that may be there was when we took the training on um, what we call asphyxiation, where you're working in low areas and the refrigerant is heavier than the air. And we had to put on these heavy Scott air packs, respirators and everything else. And you know, I felt like I was in one of those movies you see, you know, but really what it was, was, you know, there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds of refrigerant and it was in a very low spot in the basement and they suspected there might be a leak in there. That was the, the setup, right? So literally you could walk into that basement and you're surrounded by a curtain of air. So you're going to take a lot more steps going in. And once you've used that curtain of air up and there's no oxygen left, you're not going to get the same number of steps going back out again because you've just run out of air, right? And that really stuck with me. I thought, oh my goodness, man, what a horrifying thought to get down there and realize that just happened, right? So I think that really made me aware of whenever I go into crawl spaces or I'm doing something, even working around the house now, I still get, I, I still remember that, right? Where you think of, can you imagine getting into a spot where you can't get back out again? Right. And that really stayed with me. That was probably one of the few times where it actually scared me, to be honest with you. Mm. Yeah, I think refrigerant and uh, asphyxiation is a, an interesting topic and even more so now with the new refrigerants, um, you know, that are coming on that are heavier than uh, heavy than a uh, CO2 classic example, mm -hmm. a, a to L refrigerants. Um, mm -hmm. You know, pooling is uh, something that we need to take seriously and it's a bit like what we said before, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but certain things will kill you uh, <laughs> yeah, very, exactly. very quickly. Yeah, 100%, and then yeah. you ain't going to get stronger. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, think yeah. about what you're doing and think of the dangers. Uh, very, very much so. Yeah. Heat stroke, frostbite, working in the rain, working in thunderstorms. You know, things like that that you don't even think twice about. But then when you sit down and realize that, damn it, I'm on top of a roof, right? High above everything else with metal around me, possibly holding a piece of metal, right? And it's dark out and the thunder's rumbling, right? You know, what do you do? Do you go sit in the van for 30 minutes to hope it blows over, right? Or do you keep going and keep an eye on the clouds? Well, I, I hate to admit it, but there was a good time in my life when I probably would have chose the latter time, latter thing, you know, more times than I would have chose the safe thing, right? You mm. know, nowadays I wouldn't even get out of the van. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm going to Tim Hortons, man. <laughs> get a coffee. <laughs> 
Uh, the good thing is, Jamie, you don't look crispy, so you're fine. Yeah, exactly. I still have both my kneecaps. I didn't get blown off or anything weird like that, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Yeah, I know. But anyways, you know, one of the things that uh, you're doing, are we like, Jens, are we completely off topic here? Or do we need to circle back before I go down? The no, avenue? please go ahead. Yeah. Okay, because I think the GPS broke a long time ago on that. But anyways, um, you're you're working on something. And you're, you know, back when I used to be a, a field service engineer, best job I ever had, right? You know, yeah, you, you go out there and you troubleshoot stuff. You got a, you got this, you know, a travel budget like a sales guy, right? You go out and you do all this stuff. And then I was a young guy, but you get out to a job site and you're looking at it, and the equipment in there isn't matched up. It's not right, you know, and. There's solenoid valves and ball valves where they're not supposed to be. And you think to yourself, this could have been a disaster. Like, what if, you know, you're following the rules, but you miss that first point about look at the system and see what's different about it, if anything stands out, right? Like what we just talked about. So you go in there, you put your recovery unit, you pull all the refrigerant out of there, you think it's empty, you don't bother weighing it. Right, and looking at the charge on the side of the thing. So that's another mistake, you, you know, you might have made. And so then you go and open the system up, and suddenly it releases all this refrigerant, right? And, you know, things like that, that really made me aware to look a bit more. You know, you get the ones where you got the wrong compressor or the wrong metering device and things like that. But the point is, you don't know who was there before you. I mean, the system's not working for a reason or something wrong. And it may not be a situation where there's the system is physically different compared to what it's supposed to be, but it may be. And a good example of this was I was doing a job down in Southern Florida. I, I know I sounds like I got this thing about spiders, but the funny thing was that the guy that booked our hotel, he did it on, on an online thing. And we ended up staying in this dump down there and he ended up getting bit by a spider in the middle of the night and had to go to the hospital. But anyways, that's, that's a different story. But we were down there working on this, and they had physically added to this system over time. And I asked the guys to pull the refrigerant out of it. They did. Well, there was probably a 75-foot, 7-8-inch liquid line, sorry, 5-8-inch liquid line that was still full of R22 because of a solenoid valve that they had added when they added a heat reclaim unit. And a bunch of other stuff. So I asked the guy if he'd pull the refrigerant out of it. They said yes. So he put the torch on it because I wanted to change the filter dryer and that. And the liquid line let go. And it hit the guy beside me. And they had added so much oil to this system that literally the refrigerant with the oil in it hit him. And it foamed up just like that spray foam insulation that you put in. And this guy literally turned into like the Michelin man. I mean, it just foamed him right up, which probably saved him because he ended up going off to the hospital to get treated for burns and they weren't that bad. But it just shocked the heck out of everyone because it was so hot outside and the R22 was under such high pressure that when it let go, it immediately emptied out. And all that refrigerant, I don't know how many pounds of it, immediately flashed to vapor when it hit this guy. And, uh, I mean, it could have been a lot worse. Thank God it didn't hit him in the face, right? But again, modifications to a system, okay? Ultimately, the, res the, the responsibility la laid on me. I should have verified it myself, right? But I relied on the people that were there to do it for me, and they missed something, right? So 
there's that fine line about what do I do and do I trust other people sometimes as well? Now that I'm older, I just verify it myself because I can just do a quick glance at a system or something like that. If I see something that's a bit off, I'll question it. But that stuck with me for that very reason because, yeah, if I had looked myself, you know, hopefully I would have caught it and this wouldn't have happened. Right. How do you guys feel about that? Where you're kind of in this situation where you have some responsibility, but at the same time, you're, you know, relying on other people as well. To me, that's always been something that I've had a, you know, I wouldn't say a challenge, but I had to be aware of. In in the electrical world, so to speak, that is a classic. Mm -hmm. You have these built in know hows as we call it. Uh, and nobody is actually uh, documenting it adding mm -hmm. it to the diagram or something like that. And that's where you get stuck into some serious problems because you, you cannot actually see how the wiring is. If mm. you're in a, yeah, mm. so so that's a classic in, in electronics or electricals, at least. Yeah, so I you start fresh every single time and verify yourself then? Is that what you do? <laughs> well, it depends. I mean, you can you can probably see that there's uh, another relay uh, added to, to something which you cannot mm -hmm. sort of immediately see and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things. How many times have we opened up an electrical panel? And to quote one of your phrases, Jamie, it's like a, a sort of rat's nest of cables inside mm -hmm. the electrical panel and nothing's neat. All the trunking lids are off. There's wires going from, you know, all, all over the place. Every rainbow like, of color you can think of. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody's obviously thought I can do this better than it was done previously. Mm -hmm. And you've got no yeah, hope to actually understand how the thing is supposed to work without going back to first without going back to first principles again first principles um, yeah which usually yeah. includes a, a multimeter mm -hmm. exactly yeah exactly yeah. yeah 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 let me trace this out 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 and then after a while you're like oh heck with it i'm just going to rewire this <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, man, this is going to take me forever yeah exactly. although then you get when you find out when you first get your early digital meters and it's the middle of winter time in canada and you find out that batteries don't work at minus 20 degrees celsius right and it's like okay well now what am i going to do right you know take this thing set in my truck put it over the defrost for a while and heat it up right and then go back out again and, and get it working yeah that's always a fun one yeah uh, you are, you've been awful quiet for a guy sitting in front of lions man it uh... <laughs> well yeah um i just um have so many memories going going through my head here when when I think, uh, yeah, that was an interesting one and that was an interesting one. Coming back to your question, rely on, on somebody. Yeah, um, that's that's where that's where the difficult point is. How much do you want to control yourself mm -hmm. or check yourself? And how much do you rely on somebody who has done the check? I guess it depends a lot on on who you work with as well are those persons you know are they trained persons do they know that system or are they they are the first time as well and so on and uh, there are a lot of points going into that for me mm -hmm. yeah yeah when i was a service engineer that i mean there's a few things i'd always do myself no matter what i always check power i mean 100 yeah, percent. if yeah. i was going to touch something I don't care how many people 
were there before me to check it out. You always verify if there's power there or not. And I've Absolutely. never, never had anybody ever get upset at me and say, hey, well, why are you doing that? Right? I already checked that. Yeah, I know. But I ain't going to touch it till I check it myself. Sorry. That's just one of the rules I have. Right. And, yeah. you know, little, little things like that. But I, I think at the end of the day, you know, yeah. Uh, you, you got to put your faith in some of the people working around you, right? At least, and then, and then, you know, you hate to say it, but assume the worst can happen, right? So don't stand in front of something, right? Make sure that whatever you're touching, you're only using one hand and the other hand is, is, is not doing something. As John says, make sure you're not standing in water or, you know, wearing flip-flops or bare feet or whatever the heck it happens to be. You know, you got proper shoes and stuff like that on. All these things make a huge difference at the end of the day. You know, I belong to a shooting club. And one of the things when they say always assume it's loaded, you basically keep the barrel pointed down range and your finger off the trigger. Because if the worst, worst, worst thing ever happened and it went off, if it's pointed in a safe direction, nothing's going to happen. Fine. It's still um, fine. So if the worst possible thing were to happen, if you follow the proper rules, you're probably going to be okay, or there's a much better chance you're going to be okay or minimize the damage. So, you know, I think that's something to re to remember regardless of why we actually have these types of rules. And mm -hmm. let's face it, I mean, a lot of times they can also help you become a better technician because, you know, you're not worried about things like that. You're actually more comfortable with what you're doing and you can get on with your job. And as I say, if you've already assumed the power's off, you've verified the refrigerant and everything else and done all these other checks, now you got a baseline model to work with that you can base your troubleshooting off of. So at least there has yeah. that benefit as well. There are, there are so many small details where, where this is very true. I mean, even if you if you kind of know somebody has told you yeah the power is off i switched this and that off and so on you don't put your hand through a fan just to reach something mm -hmm. you just don't do that mm -hmm. because due to whatever reason somebody switches on power that let's say it is a big fan it starts to run you just don't do that right mm -hmm. Even if it's more complicated to reach that point, to reach that screw or whatever you try to reach a plug in a different way, you just put don't put your hand through a, a, a fan. You just don't do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hundred percent agree. No, it's that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. It just there's no point in taking unnecessary risk, right? That yeah. to, to be that, yeah, no. That's one of the things I've definitely learned down the road. Yeah, uh, guys, it's. Uh, I think we should uh, take the last question, and it's uh, the biggest thing that sticks to your mind from, Oof. yeah, all your life in 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 the business. What what would you say would be the most um, say? Yeah, well, big thing to 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 uh, to remember. Uh, Jörg, would you have any specifics? It, for me, it's what what Jamie mentioned: double check power supply. Yeah, always. yeah, yeah. Just always. I had too many situations where where even the guy who said I switched it off, I show you, he took two cables, so the live one and and um nil 
and put them together just to show that there is no power. And there was a really nice firework going on. And he looked at me and said, oh, I thought I had switched it off. And I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, again, under unnecessary risk, right? You know, you could have used an, uh, uh, you could have used a voltmeter to measure it. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I wanted to measure. And he said, I switched it off. I can show you and just took these two wires just to show me that there is no power. He had switched it off. But he wanted to switch it off. He's he's done something else in between and has forgotten it. Yep, 100%. I don't yeah, blame yeah. somebody. It's just when you work on electricity, just double check there is no power. Yeah, exactly. That's my big thing. Yeah, I will have to say that's very similar to me. You know, same idea. And on top of that, I, again, I'll just say, uh, you know, don't take unnecessary risk. You know, if I'm going to work on my lawnmower, what do I do? I just take the wire off the spark plug, right? Mm-hmm. Why? Because it takes one second and there's yeah. no way in hell this thing is going to start without a wire on the spark plug, right? It's it's just, mm-hmm. it's what you do, right? You know, so again, I'm going to verify there's no power on something and I'm going to lock and tag it out because, you know, the hair on the back of my neck stands up every time I think of somebody walking up to that breaker and throwing it on and I'm in the middle of something, yeah. right? You know, so, you know, remote starting as they call it. Mm-hmm. Right, John, your big thing. Um, uh, I'd probably say every force has an equal and opposite uh, <laughs> sometimes on <unintended>. reaction. Um, <laughs> you know, if something's stationary, it's going to remain stationary. If something's moving, it's going to continue to move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a good service van rule. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Bottles of refrigerant on the back seat of. Uh, you know, to the back uh, of your head, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Things like that. Um, you know, uh, the, the yeah. joyful things that we've done. So, uh, yeah, I think that was my biggest uh, learning experience. Yeah. It, it, it kind of pales between what I was taught when I went into sales and my boss said, never drink a coffee on the way to a customer because if you spill on the front of your shirt, you know, the customer is going to look at the spot rather than you. It's like, all right, well, at least it doesn't kill me, right? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Okay, guys, uh, I'm, I'm sure we could continue for another couple of hours, but uh, I think we should probably uh, wrap it up now. And uh, again, uh, thank you so much for, for your particip- participation. And uh, at least I had a good time. So, um, yeah, I don't know about oh, you guys. Yeah. I brought back memories, man, of the deep, dark mm. past, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah. And talk to you next time. Yeah, good to see everybody. Talk to you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Take care. Thank you for listening in on this rather relaxed chat about the life of three experienced refrigeration experts. I hope you had a good time and maybe a laugh or two together with us at Danfoss. But you know, you'll learn from your mistakes and some even very valuable lessons. Please give us feedback on Chilling with Jens in one word at danfoss.com. And as usual, stay cool and above all, stay safe. (laughs) 